You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Yeah, um, look, at I think the guys we got back there, obviously led by Tyron, um, take a lot of pride in what happens back there. I mean, it's tough duty being an NFL defensive back. It has to function as one unit. It didn't operate quite as good this past game. But I, listen, I I, re, I trust these guys. They'll I, I can see it in the last two practices that we've had. They take a lot of pride in that. They're going to determined to fix it. And hopefully in this next game, which is on us really quick, you know, we're able to do that. But um, I listen, we're all hoping that uh, mistakes are not repeated. So any mistake that we've made, if we, if we fix that, that's good going forward. All right, finally, we are back at it here as uh, showing BK on the Chiefs uh, coming off a bad loss that somebody on this show predicted, um, a three-point loss as someone on this show predicted, uh, a tough L, um, and uh, boy, I know that someone on the show is tired of being right, as Ace Ventura would say, but uh, we're going to push through it, though. Uh, the Chiefs have lost their their chances to be the number one seed. Now they've got to beat the Broncos on the road and depend on the Houston Texans to finish off the season sweep on the Tennessee Titans, which is not going to happen. Uh, so uh, they Mills. Will, woo! Yeah, a little bit of that uh, Mills magic you're hoping for, Chiefs fans. It's, and I can tell you right now, it's going to be mediocre Mills. Is what it's going to be. So there will be no magic coming there. But boys, um, hey man, he's he's been the best rookie quarterback this year, so he, he's got a shot. Slightly behind Mac still, but he did outplay him head to head. And certain numbers, he's still trailing Mac. But uh, but <laughs> Have no, you see the supporting cast. <laughs> yeah, I've seen it. I mean, I, <laughs> he's got the best. Rec- he's got a better receiver than Mac does. I tell you that Brandon Cooks is the is the winner there. It's uh, also got. Have you- 30-year-old Rex Burkhead is his lead running back. Yeah, I don't I think Rex is older than 30. Uh <laughs> Mac will take his coaching. I think Mac will take his coach uh over the coach that old uh mediocre Mills is running out there. But uh, that's not gonna happen. Uh, the Chiefs are gonna be the two seed. Uh just you uh wait. I don't think they can depend on the Titans turning the ball over eight times again. Uh so uh that that's gonna be the case. But nonetheless. I kind of set some people off this week with a uh, a little tweet on the Twitter that I put out, and I stand by it. And I think we can discuss that here. Um, I think I'm watching what's happened here this year, and I think when Mahomes won the MVP and he threw those 50 touchdowns, at the end of that year, going into the next year, and then he then wins the MVP. Then the next year he has another great season, and then he leads his team to the Super Bowl by coming from behind in every one of the games uh, to win the game. I think by double figures in every one of the games in the playoffs against the Texans, against the Titans, and against the 49ers. He then took the crown, I believe, away from either Brady or Rodgers who had it. I believe he took the crown away from them as being the best quarterback in the world. He is the be- he was the best in the world. I think he continued that last year and then into this year he was still any quarterback you're taking no matter what age for the season it was Patrick Mahomes. I am an evidence person. I think we have seen new evidence and for me I am ready to say that I think Patrick Mahomes has lost the crown of being the best quarterback in the world. I think it has gone to somebody who I think is an idiot, somebody who I think is a diva, a diva in a major, major way. But he is the best quarterback in the world right now. 
and that is Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is now about to win his second MVP in a row, back-to-back MVPs in a world where Patrick Mahomes lives in it. And this ain't one of those, oh, Michael Jordan is playing and uh, Charles Barkley just snuck one in or 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 Carl Malone just snuck one in. These are two in a row where he has just been the best guy in the game. And I mean, I, I, I look at it. I still think Pat is great. Pat is the second best quarterback in the game, but there is now, I'd never thought in the last couple of years that I would take any other quarterback over Mahomes until now. And I think what Rogers has done about to wrap up his second straight MVP and it's, consistent as anybody at the quarterback position the last two years my man is 83 touchdowns and nine interceptions that's absolutely ridiculous absolutely ridiculous with less talent uh, overall than Mahomes has and lesser coaching than what Mahomes has so I I right now I'm ready to step in with the new evidence we've seen and, and say he's lost his crown right now fellas I'm not there with you because I don't think you can do that in the regular season. I I think our analysis of the NFL, Mm. and I push back on this, um, but I think it's the where we are as, as a public consuming the sport. I think our entire analysis of the quarterback position is based upon the postseason. Tom Brady became the GOAT, not because of what he's done in the regular season, but because of his successes in the playoffs and because of the rings that he's got on his finger. And I think that the Patrick Mahomes can sustain being the best quarterback in the world if he gets back to another Super Bowl this year. It all comes down to what he does in the playoffs. Because for as much as this was a quote-unquote down year for Mahomes this season, you look at the stats, he's still right up there with everybody else in terms of passing yardage. Or if you want to look at the touchdowns, he's got 35 this year, which is the same number as Aaron Rodgers. And yes, I understand Rodgers did miss the one game, but his stats aren't all that different from the guys that you're looking at. The difference, though, is that it's felt strange. He has not looked as dominant this year from start to finish. Early on, it looked off, and it was the weird interceptions and the turnovers for the Chiefs. But I don't think any of that is enough to truly take the crown away from him. If we're going to do that, it's going to come in the playoffs, just as it did with Tom Brady when we finally decided to dethrone him. It happened because Mahomes started doing it in the playoffs. He was the one that was getting to the Super Bowls. And if that changes this year, if Mahomes is not able to take the Chiefs to the Super Bowl, if they end up losing in the divisional round or even the AFC championship game, and you see Rodgers in the, in the Super Bowl, all right, now I'm willing to have this conversation with you. But until that takes place, I'm not willing to go there just yet. I agree with what BK is saying in terms of like the way we judge quarterbacks overall is same here postseason playoffs, Super Bowls, all of that stuff. And Rogers just hasn't found a way to get back there. But if we're talking about who's the best quarterback right now in the NFL today, headed into week 18, I would have to pick Aaron Rodgers just based on the way that he has played this season, because Yeah, I I get that Mahomes has thrown for more passing yards than him, but like you mentioned, his his touchdowns, his interceptions over the last two years, like he's just playing a different game than everybody else is, in in my opinion, right now. Like for multiple years. Yeah. And and I watch him go out there on Sunday and, you know, as disagreeable as I find his stance on some things right now, when he is on the football field, he is making everything look easy in a way that nobody else in the sport is doing it right now. And I don't think that's an indictment on Patrick Mahomes. If Aaron Rodgers is one, then Patrick Mahomes is one B and he, he's right there with him because I still think that Patrick Mahomes is remarkable and does things that nobody else can do. But Aaron Rodgers is just operating at a higher efficiency level than everybody else right now. And it's been remarkable to watch. And again, he's done it two years in a row at this age. It's, it's just been insane. And so I I think that 
you know, Mahomes interceptions are up this year, but like prior to this season, Mahomes had never really thrown a ton of interceptions. And I think that's also kind of where I give the nod to Rodgers because his interception numbers are, have just always been insane. Well, going to this season, uh, Mahomes had actually overtaken Rodgers as the best interception rate in the history of football. Like he he was right there with them. Obviously that's changed in 2021. True. Yeah. Um, and I, I do think it is noteworthy that like, I, I agree with you guys for what it's worth. Rodgers has been the best quarterback in the NFL this year, and he is deserving and should win the MVP as a result of that. I'm just not willing to give the crown to somebody based on regular season results. Like, we we don't do that with anybody. Josh Allen last year was remarkable in the regular season. And then look what happened once you got into the playoffs. He became Josh Allen once again. And I'm not saying that Rodgers is going to choke or anything like that. I'm not calling him like a choke artist or something. But I do think that's where we get the accolades. That's where we say quarterback X, I trust quarterback Y, I don't. I don't trust Kyler Murray because I don't think when you get to the big stage, he's going to be able to get it done. I think Rodgers is a really good quarterback. And right now, if you're telling me I could have anybody in the league, I'd go Mahomes one, Rodgers two, if I had one year where I could have that guy as my quarterback. But until we get to the playoffs and we see him be able to get over that hump again for the first time in a decade, yeah, I'm, I'm just not willing to go there just yet, even though I can also acknowledge he was the best quarterback in the league during the regular season. Yeah, I, I think it, it's a fair thing to bring up the, the postseason. Now, Rodgers hadn't stung. I mean, he's been in the NFC Championship game the last two years. But I I think it's fair to to bring up the postseason part. But some of it is is it's not just that. Like Tom Brady won the Super Bowl last year, and he's won a bunch of them. And he beat Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Like Tom Brady is the only thing that seems to stop Patrick Mahomes. He stopped Patrick Mahomes in the AFC Championship game when Mahomes was the MVP, and he stopped him last year. I don't think he's better than Mahomes. Like even in that in that spurt, like his his skills had diminished and his play had d- diminished. He beat him in the big game, but overall, like Mahomes had played so much that he had overtaken where Brady was. Like Rodgers, to me, it, this isn't just about. Mahomes like this has been about Rodgers playing at an insane level over the last two years so much so that he is now we not only just judge quarterbacks on postseason but we do also judge them on MVPs and this is not just this is two years in a row where Patrick Mahomes lives in the same NFL world that he is in and he has clearly clearly been the better of the two He has clearly been the best quarterback. And when we look at it, for another thing with Patrick Mahomes this year, you got to take an account of it. He's had five games against elite quarterbacks, I believe, in the league. And, yes, I'm I'm putting Justin Herbert in that. He's spent five games against top ten elite caliber quarterbacks. He's one and four in them. And he has been outplayed in many of them, especially in the fourth quarter. Like Lamar Jackson is the only game of those five where you look at and just look at the numbers and you say, like, all right, he Mahomes was better. But if you look at the fourth quarter, like Lamar Jackson put that team on his back while Mahomes were making mistakes that cost his team to win. And then he thoroughly got outplayed last week by Joe Burrow. And then he got outplayed in the first game against Justin Herbert. And then Josh Allen, I'm out the hell that was about on Sunday night football, Josh Allen was the best player on the field by far. Like there's something there right now. Right. And so it's not so much. So Mahomes, although we've seen him look a lot less consistent over the past two years, but it's really Rogers. Like as, as Serta said, he's playing a different game. Like this is a different pace. Remember the 80, 83 touchdowns and nine picks over two years. Like 83 touchdowns, he's got one wide receiver that like we really, really know of. Now, he, he may be the best, but he's got one big-time threat. And I just – it, it's just that time I'm not – like some people will think, I, oh, show he's looked for reasons to hate Mahomes. I love watching Mahomes. I enjoy the hell out of watching Mahomes. But, man, and I'll be frank with you, I'm not a big Aaron Rodgers fan, Right? I think he's one of the biggest divas we've ever seen. Now we found out one of the biggest divas we've ever seen. He just comes in a different shape, color, and position than we've generally seen him in. But he's one of the biggest divas. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of his. But that 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 dude is the dude right now. 
And I just give respect to that. Now, you're right. I'm not one that will just sit on it. If Mahomes just absolutely goes insane and then goes insane against him in the Super Bowl and then puts it together again next year and he's not, I could change off of it. But right now, these last two years, hey, man, there wasn't a time where LeBron James wasn't the best guy in the league until somebody just took over. And when Giannis won two MVPs in a row and Kevin Durant start playing the way he is, as big as a LeBron fan as I am, hey, man, he came underneath them dudes. Like you just like man, like MJ might have some guys that pick up some some MVPs, but nobody just dominated and won back to back MVPs when Michael Jordan was in the league, and, and he was the best player. So I, I feel that way about Mahomes right now. Mike Michael's different because he dominated the regular season and the playoffs while he was there. But I I think it's interesting that you mentioned LeBron. Um, because those guys that you mentioned that overtook him for a brief amount of time there, and it was very brief, uh, Steph Curry won the rings. And you look at Giannis, they went to championship games. Like that, that's yeah, the I didn't difference. say Steph Curry. I never said Steph Curry. I never at all said Steph Curry. And I didn't say overtook them for a while. Like right now, Giannis, since it happened, Giannis and Kevin Durant still currently like they took it and they are still ahead of him. And, and LeBron's also like what 38 30, 38 years old right now. So a little different conversation there, but like I use the history for for Tom Brady as my guide here just because I was one of the people that was doing this with Tom. And I thought it was over with Tom before it actually was. And so I'm not going to make that same mistake with Mahomes here of of prematurely saying okay he's been passed somebody else has overtaken him for that number one spot right now you look at Tom from like 2011 to where we were going into last year the end of his time the last decade of him being in New England that entire time basically he was the best quarterback in the NFL but if you look at what he did in the regular season he won essentially 12 games every year he won the MVP one time in that decade but he was the best quarterback I don't know how many times you would have came out of the regular season believing that based on his regular season accomplishments. He was typically around 30 touchdowns, five to 10 interceptions. He was really good, but it wasn't outstanding in terms of the statistical output that he was giving you. But then you would get into the playoffs and there was nobody you were taking over that dude ever, 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 ever. And the time that it finally happened was Mahomes beating him in the playoffs. And when you got or Mahomes, that that final year that he was in New England, yeah, never not having him, to yeah. go up against him. Um, but the the Patriots lost. Mahomes goes to the Super Bowl, and that's when we all determined for sure. Okay, Mahomes is now number one. There was no question about it because he got his ring. If Rodgers does that, more power to so him. For you, I'm Rodgers has to win a Super Bowl this He's year. He's got to get there and do it. And that, that's what it'll take for me to see him officially overtake Patrick Mahomes as the best quarterback in the league. And if he does it, I will applaud him and good for him. I'm see, with you. I'm not a huge Rodgers guy, but that's what it takes for me. I got to see it in the postseason. I know he hasn't been bad there, but he's got to be able to get that ring. It's interesting you bring up the, the Brady thing because I don't know where you stand, sir. Like even when Brady, there was a time frame there for a decade, like Brady had won those Super Bowls when you talk about Seattle and Atlanta and L.A., like, he may have won those Super Bowls, but I still thought Aaron Rodgers was the best quarterback in the game. Like, in the in the final, in this past decade, even though Aaron hadn't, hadn't had the Super Bowls since 2010, like, I still thought the person who was the best quarterback in the world, you're telling me, hey, man, you get one quarterback to start your team this year, who are you taking? It wasn't Brady for me. It was Rodgers. I thought like, he was playing the position at his best, even though – Brady was was winning them right so I like it, it's funny you bring that up and I understand that many people will go right to the postseason stuff sure um, and is why he is the best all time but we're just talking about the best quarterback in the game and the way that the game is being played like I like I don't know what else somebody would it, it took it took a huge fate of things to happen to overtake Patrick Mahomes as this and we're looking at numbers that this nut Aaron Rodgers is putting up it's insane at what he's doing and with the guys he's ha he's had over there. It's insane. 83 to nine is just, I, I, I can't even fathom it. And, and so um, it, it's not as much Pat, although like it is tough for you to keep going up against other elite quarterbacks and your team keeps losing. Uh, and then and you're getting outplayed. That that's something. Cause Aaron's not having that. That's what I'm saying. Like Pat has had his full complement of weapons. 
and had games that looked the same way that Aaron looked when he didn't have his full complement of weapons against the Cardinals and he went in on the road and beat the team that had the best record in football. Like like Pat Pat's numbers like against the Cowboys are in the same ballpark of what you know Rodgers' numbers were this year against the Cardinals and Rodgers didn't have any wide receivers in that game and he still found a way to win. So uh they're both special players right now. If I'm going to give the crown, the crown is is sitting with with Aaron Rodgers at this point. All right, we do this every week when uh, the Chiefs have the ball. And BK, I think this is really, really good because a lot of this for this game against Denver is going to be the setup to this run that it feels like this team has been waiting on. And I know you think there are a couple of players on this Chiefs offense that aren't the guys we always talk about, the Hills, the Kelseys, the Mahomes, um, the Creed Humphreys. Um, not the guys we always talk about. But there are some guys that are going to have to pay a big, big role, and that may need to start Sunday or Saturday night against the Broncos. Yeah, there's Sorry, three of them in particular that I've got my eyes on, and it's Daryl Williams, who's going to be starting at running back for you in this one and potentially starting at running back for you in the playoffs as well. Because Clyde's Brown. out. Yeah, Clyde's, Clyde's out of this, this game, and we'll see about the postseason. But even if he is healthy, I mean, you look at the season, Daryl Williams had more carries than Clyde Edwards-Alaire this year. He had 30 more receptions than Clyde Edwards-Alaire this year. Like, he just outproduced him. So I think Daryl's going to have a significant role regardless of what the status is for Clyde. Byron Pringle's another one. I didn't expect this to be the way that the Chiefs were finishing the season, but Byron Pringle has suddenly become a really important player on this offense and also as a return man. So Byron Pringle is going to be a player worth watching. And then the last one, man, I can't believe we're here after what they did in the offseason, but Andrew Wiley is probably your starting right tackle, not only on Saturday, but also in the playoffs. He's got a big assignment on Saturday against the Broncos, and you need to see some big-time performances from Pringle and Williams to continue to give you confidence those guys can live up to expectations when they are legitimately counted upon going into the playoffs. How big was that Niang injury? Like, as you said, everything – we talked about this before the season. I I'm saying, I feel like that Andy and Brett Veach have overcorrected the problem in the offseason with it. And how the hell are we getting right here and they got to make a run with Wiley, who is really a guard, playing right tackle? Like, how do, Like how in the hell Rimmers has got a bad back and Niang had that awful injury right there at the start of the game? You know, they had to have uh, Joe, Joe Tooney playing, playing left tackle. All right? You, I mean, you hope that, that Orlando Brown is good. They said he practiced well. Andy did uh, today. But, damn. This that Wiley thing, I'm sorry, man. That that makes me nervous. Uh, it makes me nervous because against good teams and good pass rushers, like it ain't it ain't like that you're hundred percent confident that I know Orlando Brown is starting in the Pro Bowl, but you ain't hundred percent confident that hey man, Orlando has his spot. He got that left side held down. Piece of cake, no chipping, no help over there. Let's just concentrate everything over there. No, no, not not quite. Not, not depending who's over there, he ain't just holding it down over there. So I mean, I, and Wiley damn sure needs help last uh, over there on that other side. So that that then that concerns the hell out of me uh, in this game and really moving forward. I I hadn't even really considered how severe the offensive line was <laughs> like like it crossed my mind but like then as soon as bk brought it up i was like oh they are down to andrew wiley again because remmers isn't coming back i don't know what the hell's going on with kyle long i don't know if he's gonna be on the field this year and then he's got a podcast waiting for him <laughs> that's what kyle long said it we're, we're right back to where they were last year basically and i'm just like Oh man, I, I I didn't even realize we had just come full circle back to Andrew Wiley again. Yeah, the man, difference, bit- though, and it is, it is important to to point out because last year the the interior all year long was bad, and that became the strength when you got into the playoffs because your tackles had fallen off of a cliff because of the injuries that took place. 
this year your interior has been your strength all year long. You can make a case, and I saw earlier today, so one of the guys that really breaks down the film for offensive line, he put uh, Tooney as his number one left guard so far this year. So it, you feel good about that, and we've talked a lot about both what Creed and um, the, the interior as a whole have done all season long. So you feel good about those three. You think Orlando Brown's going to be good in the playoffs, or at least you expect him to be solid. So really just that one spot that you're not feeling as confident about. Last year was like four of the five that I felt a lack of confidence in. So it's different this time around, but it's huge that he's he, he's got to be prepared for this. And you're going to go up against some big-time pass rushers in the playoffs that he's got to be able to hold down. Yeah, yeah. As you said, man, that inside all – we could talk about that inside all day – until, until damn Joey Bosa's there, uh, in 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 the wild card round, and Matt Judon or Matt Judon is there in that wild card wild round, lined up across with them, and now you're sitting here trying to figure out the hell's going on with Andrew Wyatt, right? Because that that and and you've talked about this a lot, BK. Like Pat likes to roll to that side. Pat likes to 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 use that side as an escape route to get around things and. He loves going to his right, so that that'll be interesting, man. Hopefully, last year he with last year's experience playing out there that he improves and gets better. But that that is damn sure something to watch, and and it'll start on on Saturday night because they they need to get that that together. And I think another note for me when the Chiefs have the ball, I think they did a lot a lot better job of this uh, in the game on Sunday against the Bengals. Uh, except for the one possession in the second half, but man, they gotta they gotta do a better job overall of finishing these drives and finishing these drives in the end zone. I think they have run they've run uh, Harrison out there far too many times to end drives with him kicking field goals, and that happened in a big way the last time they played the Broncos. They kicked three field goals uh, with with Harrison Bucker, and instead of finishing drives in the end zone. That's something that they got to do because teams get a lift. They get a lift out of the Chiefs and they hold them to three and they stop them and they kick field goals. And um, and, and that was the thing that, that hurt them. In a game they lost by three points, their possession, the, the only possession they scored on in the second half, they were driving and then it got stopped and they had to kick a field goal. They got to start finishing these drives in the end zone. That's one of the big major differences to me from these Chiefs offenses to the ones we've seen with Patrick Mahomes the last couple of years. It's been a theme all year long. I don't really understand why this has been the case, but for whatever reason, they have struggled once they've gotten into the red zone. If you're looking at most of their like per drive statistics, right? There are two things that this team's been really bad at this year. One of them is the turnovers that just never evened out based on what, how poor they were at it at the beginning of the season. They finished in the bottom five in turnovers per drive. They got better there, but it was so bad early on that they weren't able to make up for it. And then the other thing is points per uh, per drive to the red zone. They're in the middle of the pack right now when it comes to what they're doing in the red zone this season. And that's just not something I would expect from a Patrick Mahomes-led offense. That was the case with Alex Smith at quarterback. Mahomes didn't really have these issues for the most part in the red zone. The defense did, but the offense was always successful down there. They've got to find a way. I don't, I don't know what the answer is, honestly, Ron, but they've got to find a way to come up with whether it be specific uh, packages or going away from this weird thing where they've got Travis Kelsey at quarterback randomly uh, in the Wildcat. <laughs> that, I, I don't know what's going on there, but like they're trying everything and it's just it's failing. So they've got they definitely you're absolutely correct. They've got to get going in the red zone. It's got to start on Saturday. I'm glad you brought that up. Excuse my French, but that shit is really getting old. They are getting, they are getting way too cute down there, way too cute down there, and it, it seems it lacks confidence. And it's like they got it; they're doing way too much of it. Like Andy, man, you don't need like Blake Bell. If I see him, everyone knows what's happening now. That worked the first one or two times, but now Blake Bell's coming on the center. Everyone knows what's coming. Like that, that that's a quarterback sneak. They're doing too cute of things, like. Dude, man, they were running the ball with, with, with Terrence Gore's brother, and they were running the ball with, with Williams. That's hand the ball. Hand the ball. Stop doing cute stuff. Like the whole thing against the Chargers when he spiked the ball into the ground to McCole Hardman. Now, that was too cute. Like some of it works out, 
I remember uh, it was first and goal for them against the Chargers in, in the fourth quarter. They handed off to Williams. Williams got stopped at the goal line. And I remember Troy Aikman said, oh, my God, they're in shotgun again. They're an empty set. I don't know why they won't hand the ball off. Now, they scored a touchdown, but it was a hell of a throw and catch and slant from 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 Mahomes to Hill in the back of the end zone when it's like, dude, just hand the ball off. Like, stop and you upgraded so this offensive line with road graders. Like, you've got guys up front now that can win. They can win at the point of attack, and that's what they were brought here for. Trey Smith, Creed Humphrey, Orlando Brown, those guys can win. Just, it, it's just follow it's annoying. Them. It's weird. I, I don't understand it. It's that's annoying. Not, it's, that's not what Andy does, all right? Andy wants to get fancy inside the 10-yard line. I'll tell you when this red zone offense went downhill. It's when Jody Fortson got hurt. Jody Fortin was a red zone weapon for this team early in the season. And it's all gone downhill since Jody Fortin he, went down. He, he's not wrong. Like, I, I, I want oh, to make fun of him. I want to make fun of him. He had five catches this year, and two of them were in the end zone. How do you know that right now? How do you know how many catches <laughs> that Jody Fortin had in the red zone? Stop. I mean, I, I, this I, red zone. This red zone offense did not. I'm not going to move forward. This red zone offense did not go downhill because eight eight, who should not have the opportunity to wear that jersey number, for the first part, Clark, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Eight eight because because he is not playing anymore. It did not go downhill for that. Go to H E double hockey sticks, both of you. That is ridiculous. how many touchdowns does McCall Hardman have this year? He's been open. <laughs> how many One, touchdowns does two. he have? He's got two. He's been open. He should have three. How many touchdowns does Jody Fortson have this year? Who gives a rip? He's not the difference. That was his whole role. That was his whole role in the offense was get One in the end zone his- and just throw that thing up to Jody. He's open. One of his touchdowns aren't even in it. that one. That one where I felt like he got hurt on or one of that wasn't a red zone, wasn't it? Was that in the red zone? That it was like a deeper ball that it was thrown. It wasn't even. In the- it was get a touchdown. Out of here. I- I just remember. One, I, I just remember one that he like skied for. Yes, <laughs> yes. It, it was a no classic Tony Gonzalez right by the goalpost. It was great. He, he wore were. the number. Well. By the way, his name on uh, on Pro Football Reference is Joe Fortson. Did he change his name? Well, Did I don't know, know, but I'm going with it. Joe Fortson <laughs> is not the difference of what happened. Joe. Joe. Joe feels better. I like that much better. No, I don't know. Jody's a little different. It I'm also on says on, it also says next to him his team, the Kansas City Chiefs, and in parentheses, not with team. I don't know what that means, but <laughs> that's a new one for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's hurt, and it also <laughs> says in parentheses as well, not the reason why the Chiefs' red zone offense has been struggling. It also know, says that it's a good point by Serta. It's not, man. It's not. <laughs> I saw him over there snickering and smiling, and it was just the most ridiculous thing. Ever. All right, at least for this, Mahomes, he has, I mean, hell, it's the AFC West, so he's had a great record against all of those teams. But he's never lost to Denver, uh, home or away. He's 8-0 against the Broncos. But to what we're talking about, them struggling in the red zone, them having to kick three field goals the last time they played the Broncos, uh, he seems to struggle against who I believe uh, – would win in a cast of the third member of Grumpy Old Men, Vic Mangio. He seems to struggle uh, 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 with Vic and their defense, and never really, we never really see them. They've had high scoring outputs, but like defense has scored touchdowns. Like I can think of of, of, of Reggie Ragland scoring a defensive touchdown in a game. I can think of Dan scoring a defensive touchdown last year in a the game. They seem to have struggled though with that Denver defense over the years, even with Mahomes. Yeah, so since Vic Fangio took over back in 2019, here's what Mahomes has done in terms of the touchdown-to-interception ratio in these games. One touchdown, no picks. Two touchdowns, one pick. One touchdown, no picks, twice. And then in his most recent game this year, zero touchdowns, one pick. It's just weird. Like, those are not Mahomes-like numbers. And he's had a couple of 300-yard passing outputs in there as well. But a lot of that came in the fourth quarter uh, of one of those. And it's just – it never feels consistent with the Chiefs' offense against this Denver defense, specifically since they've hired Vic Fangio. And, Ron, I think that's something that we need to be watching for because I remember – I think it was a couple of years ago. I don't remember which game it was, but – 
Uh, somebody used a specific defense against Mahomes, and then everybody else started following that. And Fangio's the type of guy who could put that together, where he he would love nothing more than to finish this season with a win with Drew Locke at quarterback in their defense just dominating Patrick Mahomes. That might be enough to save his job. Because I don't know what the plan is in Denver with Vic Fangio. they got a new general manager this year. This is not his guy. He has no reason to necessarily bring him back if he doesn't want to. Vic winning this game could go a long way in helping him secure his future in Denver. So you know he's going to put together one hell of a defensive game plan. It's been an issue in the past for Mahomes in this offense. I would really like to see them go out there, and especially in the first half, just take it to that Denver defense, put up. 20 points in the first half and make sure that there's no question about who the better team is on Saturday. Yeah, I think they need to, I think they need to kind of do it for themselves to kind of get this light switch flipped going into the playoffs. I think another thing that uh, what you just said off of that is also, man, you don't want to, you don't want to give some kind of new blueprint right before the playoffs starts to other teams of, Oh boy, they were able to do this to stop them because it, it, you know maybe maybe people are going to look at what happened with the Bengals in the second you know in the second half because they only gave up three points. I don't think very much anything was told there. They were moving the ball. They just had some things happen in those drives. But Vic Fangio is the type of defensive mind that could come up with something where a not just the two deep safeties. This is another look that works that can help. Um, with that. So that's something to really, really look for. All right, let's move over to when Denver has the ball. And I think, I think there's still some remnants off Sunday's game against the Bengals. Uh, The loss was bad. Uh, Took them right out of the first round by potentially the number one seed in the AFC. Uh, But I think something good came of it. I've been saying this right here on this great podcast that Steve Spagnola is starting to get a little too damn comfortable with his, uh, with his football son. Uh, Dan has, has kind of come back and we were happy with the role of Dan Sorensen. He was starting to play like that little linebacker role and in coverage and, you know, in coverage around the, the line of scrimmage and blitzing. He was playing that role and he's getting pick sixes and he's coming up with stupid touchdown dances that Travis Kelsey, I believe, was making fun of him, not laughing with him uh, on that celebration. And and he's doing things, and, like, you knew it. Like, oh, there he goes, Steve. I told you, guys. I told you. Remember the Chiefs and Steve was getting real cocky with it? Yeah, everybody had gave up on Dan. And then he Did you hear playing. the Andy Reid comment a few weeks back? I don't remember yes. when this was specifically, but he was like, I know a lot of you in this room wanted to see Dan cuss. Yes. You never hear Andy say anything like that. Yeah. Like he, he tries to be as uninteresting as possible in the press conferences. He slipped. He couldn't help himself. He's like, you guys all wanted to see Dan cut, huh? Well, look at him now. I pulled over on the side of the road, and I on the I was listening to it, and I gave an up, up your sign right to Andy <laughs> when he said it. Started the car back up and rolled rolled back on on down the street. Like I remember, he said that, and I'm just like, "Oh, they're getting cocky with Dan." Then maybe maybe people just started getting loose and start getting loose on what Spags was doing with Dan. And next thing you know, somehow we keep seeing Jamar Chase by himself with 49. And now we're starting to see, oh, let's play two deep coverage. Who's the other guy back there? Who's Rashad Fenton handing off Jamar Chase to? Four nine stop, and I'm glad we got to see it before he allowed this to happen in the playoffs. Because if he if he had another game against the Bengals, oh god, he may have just played Dan back there by himself. He may have started putting Dan in coverage again against tight ends. He may have started doing crazy stuff. Remember Dawson Knox and all that crap. He may have started doing that again. Now that we got to see it again, now you can rein his ass back in. Say hey hey hey. Front seven, that's Dan. Front seven, that's Dan. Matthew, Juan Thornhill in the back. Don't need to see Dan back here anymore. So that was a blessing in disguise that it happened in week 17 and not the first round of the playoffs for the Chiefs and Dan's out here getting burnt because we forgot and thought, oh, Dan's reached it now. He's reached it now to be in the back half of the secondary. Are you specifically referencing the play where Joe Burrow threw it like 
30 yards in the air and beat Dan like straight down the sideline where Dan was streaking down, trying to find where, where's, where's Chase? Where's that yep. guy? Yeah. That, that one. Yep. Kind of, 10 yards away from, from the receiver. Yep. Kept, kind and of it, was, and it, it was no confusion. He knew who he had. He just could not do anything with him. And that's the scary part. I, that's, that's the thing that I'm concerned about, Ron. So Darius Butler, who formerly played in the NFL as a cornerback, he posted on Twitter a breakdown of that exact play. And I was like, oh, he's going to roast Dan. I can't wait to see what he has to say here. It was the opposite. He said the issue was actually Rashad Fenton. And Fenton played the wrong coverage on that play. And it left Dan out to dry. And so my concern, Ron, is that the guy that's going to be punished from that play, because I'm with you, Dan should not be playing on defense. He shouldn't be a guy that is in those spots ever, ever that, in those situations. That part of the defense, we found a spot for him. That wasn't it we found out. 100%. Weeks ago. However, my concern oh from that specific play is that the lesson they will learn is not that Dan Sorensen can't play defense at that spot. My concern is that they're going to say, you know what, Rashad Fenton, you ran the wrong coverage here and you left our guy Dan out to dry. Rashad, you're the one that's going to be punished as a result of that play. I hope I'm wrong on this. I fear that I'm not. I fear you're going to see every bit as much, if not more, of Dan Sorensen this week and next week than you saw last week because they don't view him as being the problem, especially on that play that you're referencing, even though it looked obviously incredibly ugly. It's a, it's a very fair assessment because Papa Spags, Dan's football daddy, is going to find any reason not to believe that it is the prodigal son for him. And and I'm with you. I, like, I, like, I hope not. I hope Andy sat out there because Andy, I believe, got to him once before. And said, hey, man, cut this. Can't do this no more, man. Can't do it. Then he got cocky and went to the podium again. Got cocky when Dan was playing in the right positions. Dan should be in a place where he is in somebody's zone and he doesn't have a particular person at all to cover. And he should be within seven yards of the line of scrimmage. That's where he should be. That's where he does his dirty work. That's when he becomes dirty, Dan. When you put him out there, when you put him in the secondary, when Jamar Chase is also running across the field and he doesn't have a chance in hell to catch him, to touch him. Okay, he could have he could have been there. There should have been there a resistance on the 72-yard the touchdown run, but Dan couldn't couldn't catch him if he got on his knees and prayed. Right then and there in the, in the on the field, he couldn't have touched him. He couldn't have touched him if he had Expector Gadget arms on him. He was never going to get there, ever, ever. And it's, I was it's, wondering which reference you were going to go with there. I, and I respect the choice. It was a good one. It was a good and decision. It, and it, and it's, it, it's, never, it's never there. It's not available for him. And I'm hoping they got the understanding learned because they just got too damn comfortable with him. They got too comfortable with Dan just making plays, and then they thought he could keep, keep making plays. It's like – when you get comfortable with Reggie Ragland, Reggie Ragland's made a couple of plays. Oh, he's a blitzer. First, second down. Reggie Ragland is not to be in coverage on guys coming out of the backfield. And then you lose it. You get too comfortable. I'm just hoping they saw that and somebody with their other eyes, because Spags can't do it. He's too close. Someone with other eyes can jump back in and say, hey, let's reel it back in. Put him in the first Denver game. Put that tape in. Look at that, Dan. Look at that, Dan. Look at what he did in that game. That's the kind of Dan we need. That's it. See, see, Ron, I, I'm going to compare myself to Dan Sorensen in this situation. Oh, hell. So earlier, so last summer, uh, my radio station decided to do a home run derby, right? So it was going to be a few of the guys from the station. We were going up against another station, and it was a home run derby. And I told all the guys, like, listen, I have not hit a baseball since I was, like, 12. I, I had this issue where, Ron, I was, I was playing second – now nah, it might have been like eight. Um, I was I was playing second. Yeah, I think I was closer to like eight. I don't know. It's been 20, 20 some odd years. Um, I was playing second base, had a ground ball come up on me, smacked the top of my uh, glove, went right up on the lip, decided then and there, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm good. I don't need to be playing baseball. Oh, you didn't go to a batting cage, nothing else. You ain't done nothing. No, you're done. No, no, never, never again. I walked off the field that day and never played baseball ever again. So I told all the guys, hey, listen, baseball just not for me. If you need somebody to be out there, I'm happy to come out, have a good time, but don't expect me to be hitting any home runs out here because that's just not going to happen. 
Well, they they thought they were going to get somebody that was going to be out there helping them with the, the home run lead, right? I go out there. I did exactly what I expected to do, Ron. I hit zero home runs that day. You know mm-hmm. where we were hitting from? We were hitting from second base. I hit zero home runs over the wall that day. That was my expectation. They expected more on of me. That's on them. They are the coaches in this situation. I'm no longer mad, mad at Dan Sorensen. He knows exactly what he is. We all know exactly what well, he I'm is. I'm not mad at him either. But the coaches continue to put him in spots where he can't succeed, just like my partners at my radio station put me into a spot where I couldn't succeed. I'm Dan Sorensen is what I'm trying to say here. That's a damn shame that you've not picked up a bat and hit a baseball <laughs> in eighth grade that you allowed that little bit of adversity to stop you. Similar to me and similar, similar to me. That's just ridiculous. That's just ridiculous. Eight, you just quit your baseball career then. Got yeah, did you know. finish the game? Did you at least finish no. the game? Out? No, <laughs> no. I left the field. I was done. I never needed to see another baseball in my life. I love baseball. Can't play it. Wow. I played one season of it. So the sport sucks. Never going back. Uh, you know what? You suck, Steve. All right? <laughs> and, uh, I think you're going too far on it. You just, you just, it's ridiculous. All right. Well, can we at least stay with Spags? Because, like, if we were, if we're ranking uh, reasons why the Chiefs lost that game against the Bengals, I gotta believe Spag ranks right up there. As we just talked about, one of his blunders uh, of just having Dan in vulnerable situations. Another one was his uh, his ability to just say, you know what, F it. We're blitzing. We're sending the house, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to go zero blitz. We're sending everybody. Send all the linebackers. There is no, hey, one guy, some zone blitz, one guy's going to back off. Nope. We're all coming out here. And he paid for it. But you didn't have that much of a problem with that, did you, BK? So – I don't have as much of an issue with it as others do. I appreciated Steve Spagnolo, first of all, coming out this week and saying he treated that situation as if it was a third and six because he didn't want them to get into field goal range. Now, I can disagree with where he's coming from. I can disagree with the logic, but at least there was some logic there. And that's really what I'm looking for is like, do you at least have a reason as to why you're doing what you're doing? And if there's logic and reason behind it, okay, I can listen to the explanation, even if I disagree with it. The other thing, Ron, is Steve Spagnolo has a very clear identity. He is going to blitz the living hell out of every quarterback he goes up against. I remember when they hired Steve Spagnolo, I was working with Carrington, and we had somebody on, I don't remember specifically who it was, but they said the MO for Steve Spagnolo is this. He's not going to blitz when you think he should, and he's going to blitz when you think he shouldn't. And some people aren't sure if he has a plan as to why he's doing it that way, but he just does it, and it's kind of worked for him in his career. And he learned from Jim Johnson, and he continues to do that today. Ron, this is his identity. This is the Chiefs' defense's identity. They have done this before. This was not the first time where it was third and long, and they went engage eight on Madden, all-out blitz. And it's worked most of the time this year for him. They didn't get home, and it didn't work for him against Cincinnati, and sometimes you just get beat. I wouldn't have done it. I would have gone cover four, get your asses back. We just can't give up the first down here and play for the three points, and let's get Mahomes out there with a chance to win the game with the ball in his hands as as the clock expires. That's how I would have played it. But I also know who they hired as their defensive coordinator, and I wasn't surprised when they decided to go that route. Yeah, he can't be a fool. Right, like I, I'm with you. I love, like I, no, no, I love, but I understand what uh, the the identity is. He's not going to sit and just wait. He's not going to do it, right? And and even with Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Melvin Ingram up front, he is not going to sit there and wait. He is going to make you make quick decisions, and I get that. But it's got to make sense, dog. It's got to make sense. And you just watch Jamar Chase prove to you time and time again that if he is allowed to be in single coverage with any of these jokers especially Charverius Ward who we repeatedly beat him in those positions that there is a chance you made it easy for Joe Burrow and it's the time and the situation it is third down and 27 you're in a tie ball game hell don't act like Elvis Gerbeck's your quarterback 
Don't act like Steve Bono's your quarterback. Don't act like Alex Smith is your quarterback. Don't act like that. You got Patrick Mahomes, the second best quarterback in the game. Don't act like a three-point lead with over four minutes and two timeouts is something insurmountable. Like, I got to hold him to a field goal here. I got No, you did not have to. You could have gave up 12 yards and let's rock and roll. You could have gave up 10, 15, let's rock and roll. But instead, you you operated as if you have some kind of offense that can't afford to be down by three points with over four minutes left. That was ridiculous, and it was stupid. I understand your identity, and I like it. I like the aggressive identity, but it's got to make sense. If you got beat on third and six like you acted like it was, hey, piece of cake. Hell, Chris Jones just got a sack a couple plays before. He had just beaten. You get beat on third and six like that, I'm sitting in the house. Bam, got it. Well, I I appreciate Spags. I, I don't. As a defensive coordinator. And so, like, the third and 27, I I, I think that's inexcusable. I, I don't know why you play it like that, but that that is who he is, right? But I, I don't have a problem with him wanting to blitz and, and get after Burrow. I, I, I have a problem with him just not really adjusting the coverage throughout the game. Like, I think you can go after Burrow and you can still do that and give help on Jamar Chase, which is something they just didn't really do. And that's something that he's got to adjust because I want him to put pressure on the quarterback. I think he also severely underestimated like how much pressure Joe Burrow has been under this season because Joe Burrow's getting sacked. Joe Burrow does not care about getting sacked. He's still going to go out there and try to throw it all over the place. And so I think they thought, well, we're going to get him. We're going to we're going to sack him. We're going to put pressure on him and, and make him fold like a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL do. But Joe Burrow doesn't give a damn. And so he said, OK, keep putting pressure on me. I, I'm going to find ways to burn you. And that's exactly what he did. I also think we I don't know about us, but because we last week we said like, hey, the guy that you got to worry about, there are two of them. It's it's T Higgins and it's Jamar Chase going up over the top. And guess what happened? It was Jamar Chase going up over the top. I think the Chiefs underestimated just how good Jamar Chase is. Like that that dude is an alien. And if he wanted to make the case, he at one is... point at one point, BK, there was a point there in that fourth quarter where they had to stop underestimating it because he kept putting touchdowns on their heads. And around the third and twenty-seven, they had they had had ample examples of he could beat Charverius Ward by himself. They had ample examples of, hey, let's not give Joe Burrow anything to read and let him know pre-snap exactly where he needs to go on third and 27. Like it had been proven by that time. You kiss my ass, Spags. That's not an excuse. You know, you maybe maybe in the first quarter, but after he ripped off that 72-yard touchdown run and ran through the entire secondary, at that point, we got to adjust. I just don't think they believed that one receiver could beat them. I, I, I think they believed that like eventually they were going to get home with the blitz and they wouldn't be able to be beat by one quarterback and one receiver. And it got them. It, uh, eventually they got got. They did it one too many times and they they didn't have a response. Like Jamar Chase beat them. Joe Burrow, yes, of course. Everybody's going to be giving him his flowers this week. They should. He's been outstanding, and he was great on Sunday. Jamar Chase finished the damn game, catching 11 of his 12 targets for 266 yards and three touchdowns. 11 of 12 targets. And on one of those plays that you mentioned, Ron, he completely outran your entire defense. I mean everybody. Like, Nick Bolton had a chance at him. He was running away from Juan Thornhill, and Legereus Sneed, who are probably the two fastest players on your defense, and they had no chance. None. They had an angle on him, and they had no chance of catching up to Jamar Chase. So, anyway, and what quarter was that? Away a little bit. That was the first, uh, first quarter, second, and then maybe, the fourth but... quarter. With that evidence, he said, "Game on the line." Charverius Ward got you, <laughs> ignoring the touchdown that he had just caught pre- previous on Charverius Ward in a similar situation by himself. It's not good. It's not good. Um, but that's who he is, man. And, and, and I know that's a terrible excuse, but I am trying to explain what we saw and why we saw it. I, I think that was the explanation as to why he went that way. And I got to be honest with you, 
if they get into the exact same situation in the playoffs against the exact same team, I think it would go the exact same way. I, I think he would he would come with the blitz again. I, I don't think the lesson he learned from any of the stuff that we've talked about so far is the same lessons that we hope he learned. I, I think he views it as, eh, we got beat. Sometimes that happens. My best against their best, and we lost. I hope you're wrong in that exact scenario. He would like Saturday's game. I got no problem against Drew Locke. He's blitzing in those situations. I've got no problem. If it's third down and 18, like I, there's no reason for that. Like there's no reason for that. Third down, third down seven, go after his head. Like it's just, you just, there's got to be the situation to make sense. And you just can't get yourself, yourself beat. I think there's one other thing to touch on because. This has been a conversation since the Chiefs had Patrick Mahomes. The best way to beat Patrick Mahomes is to have a good running game and keep him off the field so he can't score and minimize his possession. Even though last week they only got three possessions in the second half, and it wasn't because the Bengals were running the ball down the Chiefs' throats. No, their receivers were making plays and sustaining drives in the passing game. But whatever. Uh, But they're going to face potential teams in this playoff if the Colts can find a way to not have disaster happen and lose to the Jags, that's a team they could face. The Patriots, they want to run the football in a major way. That's a team they could face. The Chargers already put almost 200 on them the last time they played, uh, and they didn't even have and, and that's with Austin Eckler and Jackson. That is a team that they could face. There are, are, are run-heavy teams that are potential of who they could face. The Broncos got them pretty good the last time with Williams. Uh, they played, and Gore didn't play in that game. Uh, those two are, are a big test. It'll be interesting to see how they hold up in the run game with those two guys. Yeah, the Chiefs' defense has quietly struggled against the run since the bye week. The Broncos rushed for 154, Chargers 192, Steelers 130. Those are all in the last five weeks. The Bengals and uh, Raiders didn't even really try most of the time because they were down early on. Um, I, this is something that I would like to see get corrected before they get into the postseason. If you're going up against the teams that you mentioned, Ron, it looks like the most likely candidates right now are probably Indy, the Chargers, and maybe Pittsburgh. I'm not sure on that, but you could technically see um, New England as well. So those are probably the most likely candidates that the Chiefs would play in the first round of the playoffs, all of whom have a pretty good running game and will stick to it. I would like to see the Chiefs with the tune-up here because they don't have likely that bye week that we've been talking so much about. I would like to see them be able to stuff the run, especially against Javante Williams, who just ran all over them in the first meeting between these two teams. And by the way, it should be noted over the last few weeks, uh, Willie Gay's been working his way back into things. And so there there are explanations and reasons as to why they've struggled. But um, I'd like to see them be able to shut down Williams and Gordon in this one because they're going to lead heavily on the run, man. And teams are going to try to do that. And there are teams, and then the Titans, who have the one seed, are lurking in the back end with Derrick Henry as well, that are going to try to do that. All right, let's head to the game that is sweeping the nation. Certified or imposter? You're certified, right? Let's get you certified. I'm an imposter. Uh, My thinking is the fear of the Chiefs. Is that certified or is it an imposter? I think one of the big things that's helped the Chiefs over the years is they get into the games, and prior even to them stepping on the field, teams have a fear of this team and how explosive they are, and they completely change what they do. They completely change the decisions they're going to make. We've watched John Harbaugh come in here and just go for everything. Uh, John Harbaugh do things and take chances that he's never done before. We watched Brandon Staley do this a couple weeks ago, just continuing to go for it on four downs. And he said after the game, we knew who was playing on the other side. We watched the Bengals still do it repeatedly, going for it on fourth down like idiots instead of just kicking the field goal and taking the lead, but continuing to go for it uh, down at the goal line because they said who was on the other side. For you, do you still think? that the, the fear that the Chiefs invoke in other teams is still there, certified or imposter? I think the fear of Mahomes is real. Mm. I don't know that the fear of the Chiefs is real anymore. I think when Chiefs or when teams play the Chiefs now, they believe they can beat them. 
And I think there was a little while there for at least a couple of seasons where teams came into Kansas City and they were like, I don't know that we can win this game. And maybe they would convince themselves by the third quarter, like, oh, hey, we're in this thing. We got a real shot to be able to beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. But this year, when you look at their biggest games, like they didn't beat Baltimore. They didn't beat the Chargers first time around. They didn't beat Buffalo. They didn't beat Tennessee head-to-head. They didn't beat Cincinnati. Those are the teams that we're really comparing them to right now. And they all have prior history very recently of being able to take down Kansas City. So if you're asking me fear of the Chiefs as a whole, I don't know that that exists anymore. And I can just speak as a fan. I am a lot more fearful of a lot of these teams that they're going up against than I have been in the past. In the mm. past, I just had this uh, this swagger about me as a Chiefs fan where it's like, yeah, I don't care who they play. They're going to beat them. They've got Mahomes. They've got Andy Reid. They've got the best offense in the league. They'll win. This year, I don't know if I feel that same way. So, yeah, for, for me, it's not even there necessarily as much as a fan as it was in recent years as well. I, I do think that teams now more are like, okay, we can beat the Chiefs somehow, but I still think that – they have to be certified because you have to be fearful of what they can do to even be in that place where you say, we're just going for it on every fourth down. I would say that that approach has worked. We saw the Bengals won, the Chargers won, the the Bills won, the Ravens won. Like all those teams took that approach and that mentality against the Kansas City Chiefs. So it obviously gave them an advantage in saying, we're going to push you four downs every single time, no matter what. And it worked in their favor because they lost all of those football games. But I think you still have to be in a place to to be fearful of what the Chiefs can do if you give them any extra possessions at all. So I think that everyone in the NFL does still fear what Kansas City is capable of in a lot of ways. Yeah, I thought that was really good because I agree with Serta. I think they're certified. I thought that was pretty good what you said about I'm not sure if they fear the Chiefs as a whole, but they fear Mahomes. Uh, I, I think that's pretty good, but I think Mahomes is the Chiefs. Like I, I think that is that is it. So I think it is certified, and I don't think it should be, but I think it is. I don't think it should be certified right now. I don't think like I think there is evidence as you as you ran through. They lost to a. They've lost to every hell everybody. I mean, Tennessee, all of them. They've lost. That's why they, that's why they're sitting here with no tiebreakers because they lost to all of the some of the top level teams. In the AFC, but the still, only top level team they played this year that they beat was Dallas, and Dallas was without yes. some, several key players in that one because of COVID. And Green Bay, obviously, the same way. Uh, exactly. But, but but it's still they like like even though I thought at first like the Bengals didn't really panic, but at the end of the game, like Zach Zach Taylor tried to. I mean, he was going to lose that sucker. But because he was thinking so much about 15 on the other side and the Chiefs offense on the other side, like he was going to lose. I feel like Joe Burrow was doing quarterback sneaks and trying not to score on purpose as the plan. And he just kept going for it. Penalties. All right, we got a second chance. Go. Go for it. Hold on. What? Like, and Brandon Staley. Go. Just go. Just go. Just go. Just go. Like, so I still think, I don't think they should. But I still think teams really do fear the Chiefs. And I think that is something that still plays in the back of their minds. And the reason why they fear the Chiefs is what the Chiefs showed against the Chargers in the fourth quarter is that they can just pick it up and flip the switch in a hurry and just dominate you the way they did in that fourth quarter in overtime. So I don't necessarily think they should because there's evidence that they shouldn't. But I still think teams – do all right. This Denver game, the final game of the regular season against the Broncos in Denver. What's your predictions? I'll start it off. I think the Chiefs win 35 to 10. I think they, they try to send a bit of a message, try to flip the switch offensively before uh this uh this season goes. They're going to be on uh prime time, the only game there. I think they want to show out. Yeah, this is going to be ugly. My only question is, does Patrick Mahomes play the fourth quarter? Drew Locke starting at quarterback for the Broncos. I think this one ends up like 31 to 10 is kind of where I'm at mm. for it. I think they cover the spread pretty easily. And I, I think Patrick Mahomes ends up sitting the vast majority of the fourth quarter. And they're able to get him at least a little rest going into the playoff. I'd, I'd be surprised if Mahomes plays the full one in this in this game. 
Yeah, I, I picked them to win 27 to 13. Uh, I felt like I probably should have picked more, to be honest, because I, I think they're going to win this game pretty easily. And I, yeah, I just don't think Drew Locke is going to be able to do anything. And I think that defense is going to be angry after last week's performance. Before All we right. get out of here, Ron, who do you want to see them play in the first round? Like, realistically speaking, who do you want to see their first round opponent as? The Colts or the Patriots? The Raiders. Uh, I I think if I could pick, it'd be the Raiders. The Raiders would have to beat the Chargers to get in, but that would be and and they they have the tiebreaker over the Colts, so it's a little tougher. Like, there's a couple of ways that it can happen. Like, the Colts would have to lose, for example. Um, It's a little tougher for that to happen. Um, I think I would go with the Colts as well. I think that's the team. I just don't trust Carson Wentz in it. No, I think, and I think the Chiefs have the ability to make it a Carson Wentz game. I think they can hold up enough against the run to make it a Carson Wentz game. And the and 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 the, and the, the Colts have a real defense, but I think they can they will make it a Carson Wentz game in Arrowhead. All right, this is the final uh, game. Uh, sir, to let everybody know what you what's what's coming up uh, as podcast, and then I know the post game uh, afterwards after the Chiefs play uh, the Broncos on Saturday. And then, as always, you can catch me and Rocky Magana immediately following the game. We'll have the Arrowhead Pride Rapid Reaction Show on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. All right, we'll see what we're talking about next week. Maybe we're talking about uh, a game against one of those teams BK just brought up, or we're talking about a week off, which I don't think we're going to be talking about that. But one more week, and then the playoffs start, and uh, we'll see if this team can get to a third straight Super Bowl All right, have fun with you guys as always. Show Sir to BK. We are out.